9th of November, Singerville Google Hangout. Welcome, everyone. So let's, what we're going to talk about today, right? The first thing is, um, remember, we're CPD accredited. If you want a CPD certificate, give us, give us a call afterwards, and we will happily send you a CPD certificate. Next, don't forget to sign up to our YouTube channel, and you will get on-screen notifications every time we do a hangout or we put something up for sale. In fact, we've also got an on-screen notification now of everything we have for sale at Singerville. I'll talk to you about that later. And if you haven't already listened to one of our podcasts and you've got trouble sleeping, just listen to one of the Singerville podcasts. Although tonight, today's will be very exciting and it'll keep you awake all night. So sign up to receive our emails, get our on-screen notifications, and you'll be in touch with us. Right, who's online today? Right, we have the, the normal team of Dale Henry. Hi, everyone. We've got Ed. Afternoon. Part, half the Scottish office with um, Graham. The better half, but hi. Yeah, we've got James Morris Manuel. Hi. I, do you know what? I'd love a double-barreled surname. I think it's great. And and Stuart Logie, one of my old friends in the game, who I is <laughs> taking his glasses off. Look, if I take mine off, I can't see anyone. That's the problem. Let's back on again. Okay, okay. So. What would, what would be your double barrel name, by the way, Neil? Isn't it? Isn't it your Paul name? Your first, your first dog. Singer, singer Vale. Neil, Neil Singer Vale. Yeah, yeah. that's him. That's what we'll call you from that. now on. Neil Singer Okay, so look, what we're going to do is we're going to run through what's been going on in the market, and then we're going to talk to all our special guests, and they're going to pass on their wisdom. So that will take ten minutes. Second. So first of all, let's talk about the market. Um, Dale. Hello. I'm going to I'm I'm going to share screen and um, why don't we run through York, Fort William? When we get to Rutherglen, Graham, you can jump in. Okay. Let me share my screen so everyone can see what's been going on. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So we've yeah we've we've had a busy month or so. Um, we've sold a few bits in October. The first of which is a retail investment in York, uh, which you'll see here, led to Millie's Cookies. Um, we quoted 575,000, sold this one within about a week from going to the market, um, sold it online by click to purchase at a figure of 600,000, which is about 5.3%. So, um, that one went very well. We have also recently sold a bank investment up in Scotland in Fort William with just over 13 years unexpired, which we sold this one at the full asking price, five and three quarter percent. So despite what's going on in the retail market, we are managing to sell some, some shops. Um, and we have also just recently sold this food store investment in Rutherglen. Graham, do you want to? Jump in yeah. here. Well, I think what the, the the story behind that is it failed to sell at a national auction, and uh, we were given it and sold it. Well, we could have had it uh, away to one party who then pulled out, and we got another party, and we sold it uh, above the reserve that was in the auction. So um, I think we're like the Heineken of uh, the property world. We reach the buyers other buyers can't reach. Uh, that's, that's, that's for people with uh, long memories of these very dodgy Heineken adverts. 
four of the Scottish. Right. It'd be special brew then. Right, what's on the market? Let's see what's on the market. Okay, I'll get a quick quick run through what's on the market. Um, quite a bit. We've got this McDonald's investment in Walsall, which is just under 13 years unexpired. McDonald's have just extended the lease. We have got some interest in this one. As you see, we're quoting about 5.5%. Um, we've just launched this really nice children's day nursery investment in Greater London in Watford led to Bright Horizons, who are one of the, the, the biggest childcare providers, really strong covenant, 12 and a half years unexpired. The interesting thing about this one is right next to a, a brand new 480 odd resi scheme, which is coming out the ground, quoting 2.66 million, 6%. Um, we are offering a multi-let office in Colchester. Tenants include the government, um, 815,000, oh, no, sorry, that's wrong. We're guiding 730,000 um, pounds, and we're offering this for sale by auction in a few weeks' time, unless sold prior. We've got a Sainsbury's investment in Poole, right in the city uh, centre, um, modern units, uh, about five years remaining on the lease at 6%. Really nice restaurant in Beaconsfield, which for those of you who don't is really affluent London commuter town with over 18 years unexpired, no VAT payable, and we're asking 2.695 million, which is 4.6 rising to a guaranteed 5%. So anyone looking for some just very attractive, long dated secure income, you should have a look at this one. Uh, we've got a little shop in Taymouth uh, down in Devon let to Subway, um, which we're asking, uh, again, we're, we're, we're offering for sale by auction, guiding £300,000. Um, that one's coming up for, for auction next week. We've got a London um, retail and residential development opportunities, as you can see here in Stoke Newington, which we're um, going to best offers on next week. Uh, with quite a bit of interest in that one. Uh, what else we got? A uh, This shop in Ealing, as you can see, led to cancer research, so great, great income. Um, led to 2024, £440,000, 5%. And I think just to finish off, we've got a supermarket and retail warehouse, high yielding in Peter Lee, led to Little and Pound Stretcher, showing 10%, just over £2 million. Uh, does Graham want to run through? We, we have got a number of Scottish sales as well. Graham, do you want to quickly run through those? I can do it very quickly because uh, our multi-let block in King Street Kilmarnock is due to exchange on Tuesday, having been in the market for just a couple of weeks. Um, our Airdrie soft play area, uh, that is due to settle hopefully next week. It was supposed to settle today, but it looks as if it's drifting into next week. Uh, Fraserburgh is due to settle today. We continue to market the Burger King and the works in Air High Street, which I think people should uh, have a close look at because there are definitely angles in that. And hopefully next week we'll be bringing out a quick fit um, trade counter investment in Glasgow. So keep an eye on the website for that one. But um, yeah, we've had a, a good run of successful sales in the last month or so.
Yeah, loads going on. Loads for sale, loads for sale. And we've got the people who've got some cash in their pockets to give you an idea of the things we've got coming up in the next week or so. We've got a number of retail investments in Portsmouth, which are going to offer um, good yield. We've got um, some more properties in Scotland, up in Perth. We've got some retail up in Leeds. We've got an industrial in a place called Cown. Where is Cown? Where is Cown? Wiltshire. Wiltshire, of course it is. We've got retail and residential in Dagenham. We've got retail with office conversion to residential coming up in Enfield. And we've got um, a big block of retail in Worcester. So there's going to be a lot of property for sale at Singapore within about a week or so. So fill your boots for Christmas. Right. So that's that's what's been going on with us. Let's talk tech. Should we start with Stuart? You're welcome to jump in as you're a tech guru of old. You're welcome to jump in any time. But I thought we'd start with um, James. James, sort of give us a bit of a rundown about Matterport. I've got, I've, I've got your website up here, James, to show people, actually. Oh, can we hear okay. you? Perfect. Let, um, me, let, me, let me share the screen just so people can see what Matterport is. Sure. And then we'll come and then we'll. This is the. If there's anywhere you need me to specifically go. No, I thought you were going to start to do the whole pitch then for a second. Um, but if you jump in, if you click try, uh, try it on the website, it will load up uh, a model for you to walk through. This is a residential model. And as you can see, uh, and then Neil, if you uh, just would like to just have a walk around, oh, I, can I can, can give you a bit of a background. So Matterport uh, was founded in 2011. And essentially we invented a 3d camera that enables you to capture properties giving the customer or anybody on the website the ability to walk around as if they were actually there they can judge size space dimensions you also have points of interest within the media so that you can highlight any key features and we sold our first camera to the market in 2014 and since then we have kept uh, the cameras that are operated by either agents or photographers have captured over 1.1 million properties globally. We have customers in over 100 countries, and currently the the business has got just over 200 employees, um, and we have offices in the US and the UK. Wow, interesting, it's impressive. So. That's the background on Matterport. Let's, let me ask, can I ask you a couple of things, James? Sure. Okay, so how many, what's the competition? I've seen a few systems around, and um, but Matterport are leading the way as far as I understand. Uh, yeah, that's, that's correct. We, um, there is, let me talk a little bit about like the history of 3D and, and the history of sort of the, how the media came into the market okay. and then I can come on to sort of like the competitive landscape that we have. So uh, for property representation, you've always had photography and that's been around for uh, a long time. About 15 years ago, a lot of companies started to do floor plans uh, for properties being marketed for sale or for leasing. And then after floor plans, you had uh, video tours of the property, uh, which were great, but they took you on a set journey. So quite often you were 
guided through a route that is determined by someone else. So you don't have control of your navigation. Uh, they then brought out, or the market then brought out, uh, 360 tours. And I think everybody will remember the original 360 tour where you were in the middle of a room, you were spun in a circle, and quite often the, the room appeared circular, didn't even appear as a square. And it was very hard to judge the size, space, and dimensions. We then move forward to today where you have uh, Matterport and, and more specifically 3D tours. So uh, the media that we've created is 3D and it enables the customer to really walk through a property and judge the size and space. And you can only do that because everything that is captured is in 3D. So a lot of customers, for example, for offices or for retail, they want to better walk in the front door and say, okay, I can fit this many desks in this room, or I can fit my retail unit to look like this. And then they go walk to the other side of that unit, look back, and they say, and that's the reconfirmation. They're like, okay, I can definitely fit that, uh, fit this many desks in this office. And 3D really enables you to do that. Um, so that's sort of like the journey and, and where 3D's come to. In terms of competitors in the market, we are the only one who really has a, a 3D camera at an, a cost-effective price point. You have a lot of uh, BIM modeling or laser scanners at the high end, which could be £25,000 to £50,000 products. Um, then you have the Matterport solution, which is anywhere between 2000 and just over £3,000. And then you have uh, technology, which is just 360. So we sit in this space where we are above 360, but we're not as expensive as, you know, the Leica and Faro camera systems that are available on the market today. Okay. Um, where do you think the VR is going in, um, in, the, in real estate? Because you see it a bit, mm -hmm. but do you think it's, it's going to become the norm? Um, I think that VR is definitely going to become much more mainstream and we, we're seeing the beginning of that journey now and one of the lovely things about being 3d is everything we create can automatically be put into vr straight away so all of the models that we have available uh you can use a vr headset uh, quite effectively and i think the big difference which people maybe are, are not quite up to speed on is Walking around an experience on a flat screen on the computer is fantastic. You can really explore and you can do it collaborative, collaboratively with a colleague. Um, but putting on the VR headset really allows you to be present inside the experience. So when you put on the VR, you can actually, you have more of an emotional connection with what you are looking at. Um, and it allows you to be present. So I think VR is going to become more uh, mainstream. And I think it's, there's lots of applications that, can be tied into the sales process of how agents do their business today. I mean, you've, you at the beginning of this presentation went through all of the properties you've got for sale, the ability to invite a customer into the office and say, let's have a cup of tea. I'm going to give you a headset. Let's look at 20 buildings is actually a very nice buying experience. And I think we'll start to see those kinds of practices come, uh, become a little bit more mainstream in the future. Stuart, do you, do you use any of this on your schemes? All of it. Yeah. We think we're, 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 we're big fans. I mean, we've used it in... What, Matterport? Uh, Matterport? Sorry? Use Matterport. I'm not sure about Matterport, in fairness, but I think if you go, we, uh, we've got an office in the Guildford, so we've actually got an app, 
and you can go onto the app and download the effective the space planning and fit out for the building. So when it was in a pre in a construction phase, we were able to um, build a, uh, a virtual reality model of the scheme with uh, all the all the uh, reception fit out as it, as it was then put in, and then we led it through to what was going to be our marketing showroom suite. And then we led it through to the whole rest of the space planning. So it goes in 3D, and it's a 3D thing. So it's, it's a virtual reality, augmented reality. You can rotate around with your thumb. You go to different things, lead on, lead on to the next room. Now, it's structured in a room-by-room -room basis. We did have on site in some of our buildings, we use, uh, used to use iPads in the way that uh, James was just saying, where you'd stand on the spot in the, in the room with an iPad, and you could look around the room, which is a vacant office, spec office floor, press the button and it would come up on the image you're looking at with a fitted uh, 3D image. So you're applying CGI's over the top of a, an actual physical space. And that's really important when you start dealing with, how you say, um, MDs of, of uh, businesses you want to take your occupational space um, to show them how they're going to fit. And also you make sure that the exec's office has got the... He's frozen. It's frozen. It's actually a massive saving in money because fit out our, the scheme we've done in Guildford, Guildford Business Park. So we've got these apps which show the different bits and pieces, and we have a lot of on site stuff, which again is following the same thing on a screen basis on touch screens on site. But it cost us probably 50 grand to fit out a marketing suite with a sort of crystal uh, meeting room and furniture. If we were to do the whole floor, it would cost us half a million pounds. The virtual reality um, software you buy down is costing 20 grand. So the marketing yeah. material is a massive saving on what to give you the same, same. You've got to have the, once you've got a building finished, you've got the touch and feel of what it looks like for your material. And then you can lead that through to show them what it looks like on, the, on that. We did try it once with the, uh, the um, uh, virtual reality goggles. Um, that didn't work. People felt quite, um, it's quite a, Quite a difficult thing for people to wear they feel a little bit exposed so it was much easier to, when when the technology improved to go through the just use it on an app basis or uh, through flat screens have you seen the new johnny english film uh, not yet no has anyone seen it no do you model yourself on him, great, there's a great scene with virtual <clears throat> where he wears one of these virtual you, james have you seen it he's laughing oh no, you've got to see I, him, I haven't seen it yet yeah no it appeals to my sense of humor you see okay so i'll tell you what as you're talking, we'll come back to James. Can I, so can I just say tell also, us about Cube? Tell us well, about I'll talk about Cube. Just finish on this bit because it's quite important. We did a scheme in Slough, a retail park, and uh, we used this for a sale, but not a market sale. We were in the middle of we had a canvas from somebody on the property we had, and say, "Would you like to buy it?" And we said, "Yeah," but we're in the middle of a uh, we sale, so we're in the middle of. Um, uh, planning and pre-letting a couple of restaurant pods, you know, that drive through Costa. And they couldn't see it because they were all part of the journey on, a, on an improvement. So we quickly went to one of our marketing people. They put together a, a uh, virtual reality walkthrough. It's not probably quite as clever as we do on, on, a, on a full project. So they had some images and then you press the button and it superimposed on a CGI basis, the CGI over the top of what they could see. So they could stand on site with the app See the see the scheme. Press the button and get the uh, get the position of the pod. And it was much easier for them to get that from a, a, a you know a two dimensional plan. 
because the problem, you know, a lot of the problems, it's the same thing for residential when you go into a fit out. I mean, so many people haven't got the full imagination to understand what, uh, what how you can translate from a floor plan through to what it looks like in reality. And with the old brochures and the old material, you've got one image, one static point. When you have something which is moving and lifelike, it adds, it's much more of a, um, a pull in and a draw. So we used it on the sale. We got a good price and you know, we've delivered, you know, funny enough, it's just finishing now, the actual uh, development part of it. And it looks you know, like CGI's. I mean, it's, these things are not Who's meant to be a fluff. You know? Who's selling it? Oh, we sold it. We sold it six months ago. But oh, you know, okay. no, no, we sold. But we we had a canvas. We weren't we weren't intending to sell it. We got this canvas, and we thought, well, actually, it's too early. But we wanted to you know, take the approach, so we spent twenty grand on getting this material put together. Yeah. You know, because it it was a basis. We didn't want to have a sale. If we're going to mention to want to sell, we want a price. The truth is, I got, got a couple of comments about see about yeah. about um the walkthroughs. I want to James. I want to ask you a question, right? Because it. So Mike, I was talking to an agent about this, one of the uh, big firms who are you, I think they might be using Matterport. I won't say who it is. And I said to them, what happens when you're doing a house? It's a, it's a great way of a, it's a great way for a robber to see what they want to nick in someone's house. It's true. No, seriously. So if you're going, if you're doing a walkthrough, how do you, there's two, first of all, how do you know it's the property that you think it is? Right? Has it got a, some sort of credibility stamp? Quite an interesting point, because it might, you know, you're, you're in Australia and you want to buy a flat in London and with a Matterport walkthrough, you actually don't need to come and see it. So is it actually the property you're buying? And secondly, the, the security aspect of it, you must be, I don't know if it's got imp implications on GDPR and all that business. Um, okay, so, I mean, that's, in terms that's of, a nice hand grenade, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, wow. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, so I think that some of those questions actually are quite hard for me to answer because we are somewhat removed from the, the operational uh, implementation of how the media is used. So if, for example, an agent has a camera and they capture all of their properties in this way, we are we process all of that and everything goes through our vision pipeline and, and we host the media, but we are quite removed from how that agent displays it to the public. So we advise um, customers. So on the knowing what you are buying, we actually don't know uh, if that's the correct asset or not, because the agent has to match on their website this property uh, name is actually this Matterport showcase that we've done. So that's up to the agent to make sure that they are fairly uh, representing the uh, property. I wonder if there's a legal aspect to it. There must be some sort of... What is Misrepresentation Act which should cover it? If, if the agent sells something that isn't correct, uh, I think that would be, hopefully that would be covered by misrepresentation. Um, because we, we just take the visual content. We, we yeah. Our camera takes the physical asset and makes it a 3D asset, uh, a virtual asset online, a 3D virtual asset. So we're somewhat removed. But in terms of security, it's the same. You know, um, a lot of agents, for example, if there is, uh, if they are concerned about security, they will say this property is on this road, but it doesn't actually say, oh, it's number X, Y, Z on this road. Um, but it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? If you if you were, 
if you were you know had a nice nice expensive painting yeah and you, you're not gonna you don't really want to show it do you correct so we interesting actually i don't really know how they get around it have you, are you have they asked this before? yeah yeah take them off the wall so we don't we get less so the question about paintings uh, if they have got expensive artwork we advise that you take it off the wall and replace it with um something else or just leave it off the wall while the capture is being done but the question we get more about privacy is family photos um oh, so people yeah. saying i've got a i've got a mantelpiece here with 10 family photos and i don't want my kids to be on the internet so what we've released recently is the ability to do face blurring so when you upload them when you capture a, a property and you upload it you can put it through a, an algorithm that says blur all the faces and it will blur all of the photos uh, in your house so that the, the faces aren't shown um, and that kind of comes into the comment about GDPR and GDPR is about personal data um, okay. by doing face blurring you're not sharing it's personal data so so and the, the the technology is yours because one of the things i wanted to ask you is what exactly is 3d technology correct so the so the technology that we've created at matterport is both uh if you think about it as a software platform and with the platform you have different cameras that are able to plug into the cap platform so at the moment we have two matterport cameras available which are 3d enabled that we've created so that's the hardware we've created we also did a partnership with Leica to better accept output from one of the Leica cameras. And then we want to have a lot of different apps that plug into this kind of ecosystem or platform. And uh, the 3D allows you to do a lot more than traditional 2D. For example, we did a, a partnership with a company called Rumi, which enables you to add furniture into a model. So if you have a vacant office floor, you can add desks into that model and then render it so you have a 3D walkthrough of that model. And that's one of the big differences, being able to walk through a, a model which has been captured in 3D with 3D CGI is a very different experience to here's a photograph where we've put some desks in for you. Um, so it's a lot more immersive and that's really what 3D enables you to do. It has to have a much more immersive you know, experience. You know what's interesting actually, Stuart, you know you were saying about it helped you um, uh, let and maybe sell your buildings. I mean, I don't know if you agree with this, um, James, a lot of the prop tech around, in my view, is solving problems that don't really exist. Whereas, whereas this is actually is proving to be a value isn't it because it's all about mm. it I, I take the view that prop tech is all about putting money in your pocket it's got to put, and, it, and this is putting money in your pocket well prop tech is really i mean i think if you take the argument on tech against everything we do there's two different two different could things you, One is, could you come slightly closer to the speaker sorry yeah the, the thing about prop tech is very straight it's straightforward in terms of it's like all, um, the first point is communication tool. So what James is doing is a communication tool. He sees it as a marketing tool, but what you're trying to do is communicate the building in a simpler and more straightforward way to the, the punter on the other side, whether it's an investor or, or an occupier or a buyer or, or whatever else, even to the agents, because you know yourself, a lot of people now don't bother get, even getting into a car to go look at property in our game. Um, they just rely on Google Earth and all the other, all the other things around it, because of that, and the nature of the uh, 
suppose laziness that the, the, the tech creates it, it sort of it, it gets people to to do things to do things quicker um so i think it's a very good communication tool where where prop tech hasn't really come across in property it's still it's about tools and what it hasn't done is dictate the way that we change how we interact so it dictates the it, it changes the communication like we're talking over a skype version you know now that's a different way than when you and I grew up of using the telephone. Very few people in my office use the telephone anymore. They have to use something which is either on, on the phone, where you're handheld and use the thumbs, or it's an email. And the old-fashioned way of interfacing, even just having a coffee with somebody, is sort of goes goes out of the way. Now, I think a lot of these things, you still have to, so you have to augment traditional systems. And things like what James's product, especially with the 3D camera, which is very clever, is it augments traditional you know, marketing material and it makes our jobs simpler and quicker and it goes hand in hand with that communication point. Second thing about, about PropTech is that where it's there's a massive amount of data everywhere. Now this is where your, your system with um, uh, click to purchase and the blockchain behind it and the way that you market property is clever is because what you're doing is you're taking the technology and you're using it to make the, the the position more efficient you're taking the data you're gathering from that marketing process and making the process more efficient more efficient for you you're selling quicker selling better that's great for you for turnover it's better for your clients and it, but it's all about data and it's applying that knowledge i mean that's where when you start getting into the um uh, the next stage of this is where's the te where's technology going to affect our businesses um when are you going to be able to determine that a buyer has got a requirement for a property asset and sell them that property asset more directly than necessarily relying on them to acknowledge themselves that they, you know, they're coming to you and saying, I want to buy a shop, whereas you're going to them and saying, you should be buying a shop. You know, that's, that comes back from their days, their background, their buying habits. You know, I don't know how, how many of your, um, the guys who are buying through click to purchase are repeat buyers, as opposed to what else? Um, <laughs> I would say rare. Actually, I would say I, yeah. I, I, I would say, well, what we, I mean, what we're doing as at Singavl, the because of our position in the market, we're often selling to people who we don't actually necessarily know. Yeah, yeah. it does remove that uncertainty of are you going to do the deal or not. I mean, there yeah. are some people. Yes, look, there are some people. Of course, you know, and there are some people who've bought um, a couple of buildings of us. No. Yeah, it, it it works. It does work very well for the buyers actually that you you've not come across before. What's also interesting is that we're seeing now because of my my we're trying to you know sell click to purchase to other agents. We haven't got a we haven't got a sales team, but we've been doing it very gradually, mm -hmm. and we're far, we're getting quite a lot of take up now in Ireland. Interesting enough, mm -hmm. with um. Savills and Lisney using it in Ireland, and I'm again, I'm not sure who they're selling to, but they're Lisney just did a deal on Wednesday for two million euros by a tender online, mm. and it and it's it's certainly moving forward actually. So I think I, I what we what I think is that the you're right. I think technology is always, is all about efficiency. I think it is changing the way people are mm. behaving now. I think that our whole industry is. Is, it was very slow to change, but now I think there's now sort of a rush to adopt the change. I mean, you must have seen a change, James, in people knocking on your door. I bet, I bet, I bet, I'm guessing that your sort of 
interest has sort of gone like this in a lot. I reckon in the last 12 months, I bet it's taken a, 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 a movement up. Is that a good, was that a good prompt? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think the market, um, the market's definitely moving. And part of the reason why I, kept, I sort of got into this space is, uh, and, and you know, I don't know if we told everyone, is my background's Christian Wakefield and I was a, a retail agent there. And, and that's how Neil and I originally met. But I remember one specific story when I went up to uh, Newcastle to show somebody a retail unit. And this was before the fast train and it took three and a half hours to get up there. And I remember walking through the door, going 10 feet inside the unit and the client went, nope, not for me. <laughs> that was it. And <laughs> the three and a half hour train journey back and it was a whole day out the office. Um, so in terms of like, the media and and you know what Matterport's able to do you're right it's it's about speeding up the sales process saving time uh saving costs and also ultimately helping that agent you know differentiate themselves in a in a competitive market to help them win the instructions but in terms of you know prop tech where it is and and the interest i companies are, are much more advanced now uh you know, we've been in this space for uh, nearly seven years. And in the last two years, I've seen a big uptick, uh, like you described. People in uh, traditional agencies or in um, property companies are realizing that their business is never, ever going to look the same again. And tech has the ability to help them pull their, uh, their even if it's simple stuff, just systems and processes from an operational point of view, uh, tech is really able to help them, you know, bring those systems forward and speed up time and efficiency. And, you know, I remember uh, when I was an agent at Cushman's, the the statistic uh, that came around recently is, you know, 80% of an agent's time is spent doing administrative tasks and 20% of the time is spent doing de deals and negotiating, which is what the real value of agency, in my opinion, is. And tech is going to help companies turn that on its head so that 80% of the time is done uh, negotiating and 20% of the time is spent on admin. And it should really help a lot of businesses uh, move forward from a, a time and cost perspective. You know, I'm going I'm to bring up, as we're on tech, which is my favorite topic, Stuart, as you were early in, weren't you? Before I ask my question to both of you, and guys, uh, Ed, Dell. Um, Graham, if you've got anything, if you want to throw anything in, don't be shy. Don't be shy. So you were in tech a long time ago, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. So what? Just because I'm gonna. What would you? What is it you did? What was it called again? Ours was called UK Pip. It was self and Matt Clark set up, um, uh, and it was basically an, an online marketing uh, website just to. It was partly protectionist because at the time nobody knew. I looked and thought, "Tech's going to change the way I run my business." And I was an agent at the time, and we were doing similar things to what you're doing now, which is selling. And you thought, "Okay, there's a disruptor coming in from tech. Is it going to be inside the industry? Is it going to be outside the industry?" So we looked at the, the simplest way of you know trying to put a trying to get a, a chips in the table, trying to get a, a you know get round the table and understand it. Now, in that time. We were a small business, so we got we created a collaborative with ten other agencies, from Frank Warwick through to uh, Joanna Cummings, through to Michael Elliott, Lewis Ellis. We all got together 
and said, look, we, we, we individually will get pushed around collectively we won't. So we put this thing together and we had it as a marketing website. We ended up finally selling it to um, uh, uh, what became PropX, which then became CoStar. And actually, one of the things which I think that the, that world missed was the, going back to the data point, was that we were using it at the time as a protectionist thing and a way to make our business more efficient in terms of selling property. You know, allow the, the, the one-off punter to come through to the site, have a look at the property, and um, basically take a little bit of the selling grunt out of getting information from uh, my desk to someone else's desk. It, it, this is going back what, nearly 20 years ago now, so it was very, very naively done at the time. I think it's much more efficient. I think the way you do it, as you know, I'm a big fan of yours, is that the way you do it is very efficient. I think the difficulty is, is that what you do as an efficiency should be further up the, um, the scale. You know, you should be, you should be uh, having your system should be applied to much bigger projects, but there's a reticence amongst the agents who then dominate that sales market to allow disruptors into it, yeah, they are, they're not allowed. They're not allowing your system. We allow it in there on what James does because that makes everything easier. But most agents are still quite protectionist, um, and therefore, and also most buyers are as well. They also want to be sold to them. They want to have the individual pitch of having somebody try to create. This is on the investment and the property capital market side. The the, the, the occupational market is completely different. You've got to look at the way that people interact and in the occupational markets you tend not to have as much repeat business you know you do with the agents but the actual occupiers change whereas the capital markets it's much more driven by relationships and repeats you know you're that's why i was asking about your repeats with your thing because on the scale you were talking about of relatively small properties then they the, the, there's much more of a personal decision to go and buy maybe one or two assets if you talk about a uh, uh, some of the much larger investment portfolio, they are more repeatable. And you, have this, you and I are both in the same problem. You get then the who's making the decision? Is it a broking facility? Is it a is it a, an investment advisory capacity? Is it a um, um, and what what information do they need and how much do they think they need to be um, sold to? Um, so it's different. Yeah. Okay. So here's my question, right? Because. Tech, I love tech, as you know. It's what I, it's 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 what gets me up in the morning. That and the dogs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so here's the here's the thing. E-move, right? So you know what's happened mm -hmm. to E-move, don't you? Yeah. You know what's happened I to E-move? So so for those who don't know, so E-move has got financial problems. It would seem. Yeah. And it's run out of money. The burn rate's gone up. Yeah. Pardon? It's got too big a burn rate. It's just run out of money. Yeah, well, they're not actually, without naming any other companies, they're not the only one that recently I hear sold because it ran out of money. Because, um, and it's also, if you look at Purple Bricks' share price, I think it's gone from something like £5 to £2. Is it, I think it might be less than £2. So these businesses are very, it's very interesting. They're trying to disrupt. But it does, in my opinion, it does come back to a very simple thing. And it's about quality of service. It doesn't matter how good the tech is. If the... If the service isn't there, it doesn't work. I actually don't think online agencies. But Neil, if, if you can say that one, you can go wider. That's in the property. When you go wider, we work. I'll have a bet with you. We work never make a profit. You know, based upon their share price because they're worth seventeen billion, and to justify that as a market cap, they're going to have to do other things. 
they're never going to make they're never going to make any re enough revenue or profit to justify that share price. It's the fact that people see it dis disrupts the way people are collaborating, and they view the same way that Facebook has now became and Google become much more multi-channeled in terms of their offer, away from the fact that one started as a search engine, one started as a social media app, they end up cross-selling. And I think this is where you get into the question of um, the, the, the marketing websites like Purple Bricks and Emu. It's more, is that going to be sold to um, Saga, who then would decide to sell, use it as another channel for selling their insurance products? You know, it's, it's all about, about multi-channels, you know, um, and vice versa. Why did you mention Saga, Stuart? Well, it's just my age. Yeah, I've, my age. Start, I started to get the letters. It's so annoying, isn't it? It's just driving. I know. So I actually, I actually, I actually insured one of my cars through them because it was cheaper. <laughs> and I was, I, know, I tell you what, it was, it was one of the worst checks I've ever had to write in my life. I had to write a check to Saga for something. I didn't think that. I, I think I thought, take me out and shoot me. Now, I know I'm online. I should be admitting this. Anyway, but then we get away from it. I think tech, tech's really interesting, but I think it's a question of application. I think data, and if you look at the, this is the point I was trying to make about WeWork um, and Facebook and the rest of it. It's all about data. They're gathering information which someone else wants, and they might not want it for the primary facing product. You know, so if you've got people, for instance, through click to purchase and through the marketing you're doing, are, are making decisions to pay two million quid, three million quid, four million quid, five million quid for an asset. They're wealthy, yeah. Therefore, someone else would want that data and be able to then multi-channel that data through. Equally, you want the you would want the data from Killick and Co. from their their private IFA network for exactly yeah. the same reason. And I think it's, right. it's all about data. data. It's about collecting data, big data, and seeing through that. It's a bit like going on. You're online and you're going through. I don't know. Uh, daily biggest website in the world, Daily Mail website. You know, and the amount of times you'll go onto something like that, just look at a news story, and you'll notice that, blimey, they've managed to put into the top corner um, the holiday company I was looking at two days ago, trying to flog me a holiday because they've they've obviously sold they've sold the the data that's been gathered through Google or through Microsoft or wherever your service provider is to the company to be able to go and replace the screen ads, and it's very clever. I mean, and that's that cross selling is I think is much more. Property doesn't do it. Property doesn't cross-sell very well. It doesn't use its data as well as it should be. Yeah, I think I, I think the uh, I think the emus of this world were looking to do cross-sell. I think that's what they were trying to do because you can't make you can't make money selling a, a house and charging five hundred pounds. It's impossible. No. So I think they were very much looking for the cross-sell. But you're right, the burn rate's enormous. I, it, in terms of something like WeWorks. It, I mean, it's interesting. We, you're right. WeWorks has got a huge valuation. Yeah. Huge valuation. There's a. I think the service office space is really interesting. I, I don't think it's just going to grow and grow and grow. Actually. Well, if you take something like you take something like Charlie Green at the office group. We, I mean, I'm in one of his buildings. Yeah, Charlie's a great bloke. And they're great bloke. Him and Ollie have done a brilliant job of their business. But they do a proper business. They make a profit. They're going into building. They're using the. They're, they're, they're using real estate to make money. They're using their services to make money, and they understand how to service their, their clients. They're, they're like, and they're funny enough, Regis fundamentally make a profit. But Regis isn't sexy. Charlie's company is. WeWork is, and it's a question of how they do it. Now Charlie's probably got a better chance of making, you know, becoming the unicorn because he's got a business which fundamentally works, and then he can just adapt it and then take all the things that WeWork have got in. in, in America and over here, which is some sexiness, 
and move that into other areas. Um, it's very difficult to know how to monetize. Um, how would you like hype? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's that, that's where you know yeah. work works. You know. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's Eve. So that's okay. Anyone? Anyone interest? Anyone got any questions about tech? I was just gonna just gonna add. I mean, that's oh. sort of the the difference between the value of what what is a brand um, to better push these valuations beyond. You know, the difference between Charlie's business, uh, the Office Group, and Regis, for example, is all about branding. Um, and I know noticed that Regis is actually going through a bit of a rebrand. Uh, some of their buildings to be called HQ, and I think everyone's trying to up the the ante on on how they're perceived in the market. But I think. Just wanted to follow on on your point on data as well. Facebook have done something very interesting recently, which is, I don't know if anybody's seen the Facebook marketplace where you can buy and sell different mm. items. Um, they've just done a collaboration with Zoopla where you can now buy and sell properties inside the Facebook marketplace powered by Zoopla. Heard about it, yeah. And it is, I mean, and I think, the the reason why I wanted to mention it is the ability the data that Facebook have about an individual is yeah. just incredible. You know, you you post a photograph of a baby scan, and Facebook know you're going to need a bigger car, you're not going to need a bigger house, and they know what they can start to advertise to you. Um, and it's really incredible the if you, if you think about how much information they have about your birthday, about your life, you know, the cycle that your life's going through and what you may need in the future. I think that this collaboration on the marketplace for properties is going to be very interesting. Mm. Do you think Google are going to go into property? It, from a tech point of view or from a building point of view? Um, agency. Because um, I, I think they would, if they did, I mean, it would be. They, as, well, I, I think they're much more powerful than Facebook. I suppose Facebook could do it as well, in a well in a way. Depends which part of a, which part of property you're talking about, because their data is again go back to the, the nature of it. It's quite widespread in terms of the public. So you've got everything from you know 13 year olds through to 95 year olds. It isn't the same thing. If you look at commercial property, um, particularly, it tends to be very specific. There's quite a lot of maths that goes on behind it these days. I mean, one of the things you'd, you'd ask is, are Google going to go into um, city trading? You know, why are they not doing the old um, you know, uh, IG index and having tracker funds? Because they've got as much ability to, to buy and sell online shares as anything else. And they haven't gone into that yet. So I think going into financial markets is difficult. I think going into the um, advertising and marketing of property, so you take the purple bricks model and so forth, then frankly, if purple bricks is worth a couple of million, Google's going to say, well, have that. And they'll they'll do it, frankly they'll do it better because they've got a bigger database and they've got more power. They've got you know people sitting there. Where can we where can we monetize this? How can we disrupt? Who can we take out? So I don't think they'll replace. I don't think that they're more likely to replace the intermediary at the moment with the online. Thing. I'm not necessarily certain. I'm still not certain that you're going to see Purple Bricks replace Foxtons. I mean the thing the Foxtons problems on their 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 turnover share prices reflection of the property market, not necessarily a reflection of the impact of tech whereas the impact of tech on retailers is apparent because 25 to 30 percent of their turnover is going to be done online because it's a, it's a change to have it on certain types of product still means it's going to be 60 60 70 percent of 
their trade is going to take place in real bricks and mortar, but it's a disruptor. So to answer your question, I think there is a chance of Google doing property if they think it's worth while they make some cash from it. Um, but the but financial instruments, commercial, what you do, unlikely. Um, okay, I've got a your, ex your execution service should be of interest to them. Yeah, I have. Yeah, if you do know anyone at Google, <laughs> if anyone's watching, and they know if anyone's watching from Google, o two o seven. Don't forget, they're always watching, Neil. <laughs> actually, they are always watching. We're, we're you know, Google my wife, actually, my, honestly, my wife, she will literally say something like, "Oh, I want to buy a saucepan or something." Mm. And the next thing you know, there's an advert comes up on her phone. I know. Yeah. How do they do that? I mean, it, yeah. I'll tell you what, it's very worrying what they're listening to at my house, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, say in, in, retail, in, re, in retailing, you're going to walk down to the shopping mall of the future. Yeah, they're, they're, all, they're obviously all problematic, mainly through management, I think. But I don't think they're created very well. I mean, shopping centers should be created, created by somebody. And somebody oh, I didn't hear that. What did you, sorry, Stuart, what did you say? Shopping centers and shopping experience needs to be curated by somebody. So what happens is someone's got to you know, create a, um, uh, an experience for people when they go into a high street, experience when they go into a shopping centre. Now, a shopping centre is easy because you've got single management. High street's more difficult. But when you walk into a shopping centre in the future, when you're walking down and somebody says, Neil, you need to have a new purple tie, you'll look in the window of the shop which doesn't have anything in it apart from purple ties because they know that's what you've been looking at online. They know that's your habit, you know, one of your habits. You know, there's not looking at uh, <laughs> it. could be a nightmare, mate. You honestly you've got to clean up clean clean up your history. <laughs> but no, it, 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 it wasn't me, it was someone uh, on my uh, they, they say that they say that literally they're gonna well, I remember seeing there was an article about Bill Gates a few years ago where he bought the Getty Image Library. But he said that people won't go out his view was people aren't gonna go outdoors and bought Getty Images so that he could then um, replicate experience outside, inside. So we then had this database, a library database of people. Then, you know, um, you'd walk through the house of the future and all the walls would just be transparent images of, you know, countryside or people or whatever. And it's it's all that sort of stuff. I mean, you can future-proof anything if you like and worry about it until it happens. But okay. Short term. Okay, I've got, let, 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 I want to talk predictions. Can I talk predictions? I, I think I might have mentioned this before. Here's my prediction, right? So you're saying we work, we never make a profit. Yeah? That's your prediction? Okay, here's, my, here's my prediction. I want to share screen with everybody. Here's my prediction, okay? Oh, why's the sound come on? Let me turn the sound off. Right, this. Have you seen this, guys? James, have you seen this? Have, I sh have you seen this knocking around? So this is our latest add-on to click to purchase. Oh, sorry, I need to show the screen. There you are. <coughs> Can people see that? What this house in Dublin? Yeah. Yeah. This this is this is a house in Dublin mm -hmm. that was sold about two weeks ago by an agency called um, Alan um, Allen and Jacobs, and they used the click to purchase software. And what we did is we actually we've got live auctioning, <coughs> as, as I think you may know, in our system. But what we decided to do was to add an automation to it and we added a bot. So now rather than an agent typing away to emulate the experience of standing in an auction room, our bot, Gabby, the, uh, we have Gabby because of AI, 
is the artificial intelligence auctioneer. And what she does is she controls the bidding process and she will reduce the increment and she will inter interact with the buyers and she will um, encourage them to bid, etc. And then she closes the sale. What was this? The reason I'm just showing this one is this is the first AI auction that was wow. done, I believe, anywhere. Um, and of course, afterwards, it was then recorded in blockchain. So we combined our AI and blockchain. But the reason I thought this, you nicely brought me through to this, actually, is I just happened to have it on hand to show people, is my prediction is that whilst you're saying we work, so we'll never make a profit, my prediction is the boring auction will be closed in two years. There will not be any physical auctioneers, in my opinion, within two years. Because why would you bother going to an auction again? There's no point. And in fact, the whilst auctioning online is gaining momentum with the ebay style auction i personally don't like the ebay style auction because i think it's reinventing the way people auction property what we did here was we literally just took the traditional experience and we just put it online and um the other the other advantage um i've i think by um having it in this fashion by having things in an electronic audit trail is that it's completely accountable and it's completely transparent if anybody ever turns around i mean how many auctioneers have said to you oh mr logie i'm sorry we just the last bid was just below reserve it's funny mm -hmm. isn't it it's always just below reserve it's never half of reserve it's just below reserve it's, it's all off the wall there's you've got no audit trail where is where you've actually got complete transparency where the whole world is going the whole world wants transparency in, in any action now and i think mm -hmm. that's why the auction room is going to close amongst other reasons there you are so that's my prediction it's not as not as dramatic as maybe as we were never making a profit. No, but I think I think what, what you're saying is the same thing. You're taking, um, I mean, there is a human experience side of going to the ballroom auction, where you get somebody who gets wound up because of the nature of the room and their nerves and everything else. If they're in the in the in the front room doing it, they haven't quite maybe got that same adrenaline rush which pushes them onto the. Not make sure. it as much as, it's a little bit more calculated. Not sure, actually. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I'm not, I bought a car on eBay and I can tell you it was just as stressful as being in the room. Does it still work? Uh, it does still work. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, you do feel the exact same. I've, I felt the same emotions as standing at the back of the room putting your hand up okay. yeah. uh, as, as you do in property. Yeah, but did you, were, were you nervous, right? So were you nervous that you were actually bidding against a real person? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there was a, that is a, an issue um but i think ebay have take you know ebay have a lot of processes in place to make sure you're not bidding against bots uh just